Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Johara Tundok and Cabin. Discover the all-new Renault Arcana at Blackstone Motors that comes with a five-year warranty. Call us now to arrange a test drive or visit blackstonemotors.ie for more details. You're very welcome to the 2021 Imro Award-winning Late Launch. It's great to have you with us on the show this afternoon. A big thank you to Alison O'Reilly, who hopped into the hot seat for me yesterday. Much appreciated. I think Seamus Farley told the world. I was having an endoscopy, uh, and I want to say a big thank you to the staff in the endoscopy unit at Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital, and especially Professor El Masri and his team. Thanks for looking after me yesterday, and all is well. Glad to report. Well, what a night we had. I was with you yesterday but I know Louise and Alison were talking about it on Friday night when Late Lunch won the Imro for Radio Moment of the Year and what followed I have to say to you folks has been truly magical thank you to everyone for the love and kindness to Louise and myself on winning uh, the Radio Moment of the Year at the annual awards the Irish Oscars we're truly grateful and delighted I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later on in the show and I want to remind you this afternoon I have a very special tribute to the wonderful Eileen Rush, who was laid to rest yesterday. That's coming up at half past two on the show. Now, today we're going to bid adieu, for the moment anyway, to a regular contributor who's been so good to us since early on in the pandemic. In fact, I, I was just looking back with Louise. I'd say he's rarely missed a Tuesday with us. Yes, I'm talking about Professor Paul Moyna, who's been... Such a soothing and logical and reassuring influence on this show all the way since then, March 2020. Paul, welcome back. Afternoon, Jerry. Congratulations on the award, well deserved. Uh, thank you indeed, Paul. Thank you very much indeed. Well, look, at I never expected, and I suppose you didn't, that you'd be chatting almost every Tuesday for twenty months at this stage. It's been quite a roller coaster journey. Are we over the hump, Paul? I was just saying the same there to Louise, off air, Jerry. Yeah, little did we realise back last February, last March, we'd still be talking what's deep into, as we come into autumn now in 2021. So I think overall, Jerry, yeah, we're in a good place now as we speak. The numbers, they have stabilised. They're still reasonably high. But the big difference, obviously, and has been the vaccination programme and vaccines. They've allowed us to move away from just looking at cases more in terms of protecting and stopping a lot of those cases translating into hospitalisation, serious illness and death. And that really has been the game changer in terms of getting control on this pandemic. So I think in Ireland itself, we're in a pretty good place. Maybe not globally, there's still other countries where the vaccination rollout 
isn't as extensive as we have. So certainly, you know, there's a lot to be done there. But the vaccines certainly have played a major role in terms of getting us back as we move back more towards normal living. Do you ever contemplate, Paul? And I remember you saying to me early on that this hope came on the horizon that there would be a vaccine developed. Do you ever contemplate? I often think about it. Maybe it's unthinkable. If if there wasn't a vaccine, you know, science and the likes of yourself and your colleagues have delivered for us. Yeah, um, first of all, I think you would see you'd see a very high attrition rate there, Jerry. So if you if you think last year, when you know the pandemic hit, we were dealing with a strain of the virus that didn't transmit as well as this Delta variant transmits. So if you if we had this, so one of the other good things is that when the pandemic hit, we weren't hit with the Delta variant from day one. If we hit from the with the Delta variant from day one, that transmits really really well. So I think the number of deaths you'd have seen there would be, have been significantly higher. So obviously the virus mutates and evolves and it's now more efficient in terms of transmission. So that's one good thing. If the vaccines hadn't come along, like even as recent as the last couple of days, Merck, for example, have indicated that one of their antiviral drugs and there's been you know, intense interest in terms of from the beginning of the pandemic trying to identify an antiviral drug, known antivirals and new antivirals and most of them have shown little or no effect in this. Remdesivir, which you probably remember, Jerry, early on, who discussed, showed some promise, but with very little. Yes. Merck now thinks it's got a drug that protects in cases in cases of infection, and especially in those cases that show a risk factor for developing severe COVID, you know, 50% protection from hospitalizations, and in the trial, actually, total protection from death. So science and research moves on, and even though we have the vaccines, even new discoveries like that around antivirals, they are all, it's another tool that we have in terms of the fight against the virus. So research is happening all the time, but I think one of the greatest achievements has been in terms of the development of the vaccines in such a short time frame. And that was mostly due to a lot of really, really good science and research that are already being done, but also a number of groups, whether it be, you know, governments, uh, pharmaceutical companies, uh, partnering together and everybody working together towards a common goal and again expediting a lot of processes and regulatory um, affairs that normally takes very long time periods and condensing that down into 10, 11 month time period which is an amazing achievement, it's an amazing achievement and certainly as I said before that really has been the key thing that has allowed us to you know, get, begin to get out of this pandemic. It shows you, Paul, what we can achieve, you know, with the will. Where there's a will, there's a way, and the funding, of course, and all minds being focused on this, which is really, really encouraging. So new antiviral drugs on the way, booster vaccines, that development going on all the time, and something we'll be living with, Paul, though. That's, that's a yeah, fact. Yeah, it will be. The, the, like, the virus isn't going away, Jerry. It's, it's, it's establishing now that it's becoming endemic. Uh, so it's going to be there in the background. I think you may see outbreaks possibly during winter months. Um, and actually, most of us in our lifetime, even being vaccinated, most of us will be exposed to the virus. Some will still have protection, not being infected. Many of us will end up getting infected by the virus. But importantly, the protection that the vaccine offers us means that even if we are infected, for most of us, the symptoms are going to be, could be asymptomatic, mildly symptomatic, but maybe in a very small number of cases, 
some people will end up quite seriously ill and sadly some deaths. But I think that's, we've taken the teeth away from the virus because of the vaccine, because now we've sort of, we've taught the immune system, we've exposed it to a little bit of the virus, and now if the immune system is exposed to the virus itself, it's already primed, they're ready to get rid of the virus before it can do some serious damage. So that is what we hope the vaccines have achieved for us. Are you going to miss the focus? I think of Luke O'Neill and yourself primarily, who've been cast into the spotlight. You've become a regular with us and much appreciated. I always say to you, you have been to our listeners. And I know they love you. I've been stopped many times by people who had only but praise and wonderful words to say about you, Paul. But yourself and, and, and Luke and others, you know, in the spotlight for months on end, will you miss it? Will you be glad to get back to a more sense of normality with your work? I don't know, it's, it's, it's been interesting, as I said, like circumstances have just ended up, it just so happens that, uh, now Luke obviously was, you know, it's a much higher profile, and already sort of a big media presence even prior to the pandemic, but it just ended up that, you know, the area of research that I work in is relevant to this, and I think to a degree, like, and I sort of, I've, I've enjoyed most of it, Jerry, to be honest, I think there is an onus on us, even in terms of the public sector or public sector workers and I think there is an onus on us in terms of going out there and doing our best to you know explain and explain the science and maybe in ways to translate that into a way that uh, can be interpreted you know by by most people um, and probably at the beginning Jerry I started off and mostly focusing on the science but inevitably and you know we discussed it in your show your show as well where probably move a little bit from the science and be asked for my opinions and views and I probably have offered them as well. Maybe sometimes I shouldn't have offered those views. But again I think it's 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 important to be as honest uh, as you can. And I've said to people in terms of, you know, will you miss it or I said I think I think it's a good thing if you don't see me or hear from me as often, Jerry, it means <laughs> things are going pretty well. So if you if you hear from me in future Jerry it probably means there's been a spike or there's been some other uh, development. <laughs> So generally, no, and the other thing Terry, I would say is that especially, you know, and even in terms of the acknowledgement of the award, in terms of the work that you're doing, I think radio media has done a really good job in terms of covering this. You have to move from a situation where, you know, to cover this and, you know, you yourself, Jerry, have always been really well researched and Louise as well in terms of this. And you have to move into, you know, you know topics, areas that, always very technically challenging. Mm. I think media, including your own show, has done a really good job in that. So, And that's made it easier for the likes of myself as well in terms of coming on. and It's, it's really well researched and that has helped enormously as well. Thanks indeed for those kind words. I, I'll let you in a little secret. We have spoken a number of times. We, we thought we might ease off with you. And Paul, honest to God, Louise just reminded me earlier on, COVID went boom. So I hope we're not tempting fate today. Hopefully not, Jerry. Hopefully not. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully you, you you won't be hearing from me for a while. Ah, <laughs> uh, look, Paul. We, we love hearing from you, and I want to say this again that your reassurance, your calmness, your logic, your analysis, and you mentioned there, you change your mind. We all must change our minds, Paul. At, uh, you know, you're not stuck in, uh, with one opinion. That's the worst thing in the world to be. You know, new uh, developments, science, what you see happening, changes our minds on a range of topics, and you've always been like that as well, and you've been fantastic. And I say it's been great to have you because you're one of our own here in the Northeast, uh, in LMFM land, and so well known, and your family as well. And it's 
It's been great to have you with us each week. You've been a real addition to the show, may I say. Oh, thanks very much for the kind words, Sharon. As I said, I've, I've enjoyed coming on uh, each week. I've done very show, some sort of local, some uh, national. But again, it's all, I've always looked forward to our, to our weekly chat. And as, as I said, Jerry, you, you always come on. You've everything really well researched. And I think all the areas you've always covered are the ones that are actually happening. And you've always really kept up to date and things so that made it very easy for me well Paul we're going to let you go but it's not goodbye for good I say that again we will see you again and we will keep in contact and I'm sure you will be back with us from time to time to look again at at, at what's happening but for the moment uh, Head of the Department of Biology and Director of the Human Health Research Institute at Maynooth University they're so lucky to have you Professor Paul Miner thank you from my heart thanks very much again Jerry. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Professor Paul Moyner there, who's been wonderful to us, I say again, over the last 20 months or so. If you want to get in touch with us on the show, don't forget the usual numbers. 86 658 is our WhatsApp or text number 1850-715-958 if you'd like to call in. I think it's a sign of the times uh, that we're easing off uh, across the board. And let's pray to God and cross our fingers that we are over the hump and that we're getting back to a sense of normality. But what a wake-up call for all of us. Coming up in a while on Late Lunch, Joanna Blydman's with me. She's talking about food fallacies, foods once thought bad for us. Well, a real change of thinking and she'll tell you why. And don't forget that wonderful tribute I have to the late, great Eileen Rush coming up on the show at half past two. You're with Late Lunch. Stay with us. Hello, Jerry. Congrats on your award. Thank you indeed. Please say thank you to Paul. I did indeed for his calming words every Tuesday for so long. Wish him well and all the best. That comes in from Marie in Navin this afternoon. Well, Louise, I'd say we were haired in Dundalk on Friday night. About I'd say you were anyway. <laughs> nearly deafened me. <laughs> Wasn't it simply wonderful? What 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 a moment! It and was. it was towards the end. We had to it wait. The, it was all the, through the. It awards. was the last award yeah. announced. So it was. But look, I just want to say, Sinead Brazel, her nomination was wonderful in the category that she was nominated Fantastic. on against some big hitters there. Same for Sarah McCann with the documentary. Documentary is the hardest section to get a shortlisting in Europe against the dock on one and RT and everything. Well done to Sarah. 40 Days and Nights for Slav, shortlisted for us mm-hmm. as well. But we came out with a gold for Saved by an Angel. And I suppose just, I don't know whether you spoke about it with Alison yesterday, but just to context it, just to tell listeners, a young mum rang in uh, in December last year and wanted to speak with us. And you spoke to her, Louise. You spoke to this young woman, a mother of three from Dundalk. And she told you her story, what what happened. Mm-hmm. Only weeks previously, about six weeks earlier, yeah. she got up one morning, left her home in Dundalk and went to the Castle Bellingham flyover. Mm-hmm. She was it. after dropping off her kids. She left her kids. And said goodbye to them, and said effectively. Goodbye. Yes, she did. And went to that bridge on the flyover with the intent of ending her life, jumping from that bridge. And out of the blue, she was ready to jump when a car drove by and pulled up and out from the car, jumped Bronwyn McLaughlin and she wrestled her to the ground and fair to say and mm. held her back held her tightly yeah. and tightly until family were frantic they knew there was something up looking for her at that stage and other people pulled up and Bronwyn slipped into the background she just disappeared she disappeared yeah. and this lady this young woman wanted to find her to say thank you and she came onto the show with me on Friday and told a harrowing story we podcasted and over the weekend, you know, Louise Bronwyn yeah, heard, she heard the it. podcast 
And on Monday, she rang in and you spoke to her too. And there was, of course, there's always, you're a great persuader, Louise Walsh, persuasion. And it's a very sensitive topic as well to to get both of them to come on. And they came on here with Bronwyn Forrest to tell her side of the story. And then they were reunited on late lunch in a moment I will never, ever forget. And the story is, Louise, it's about... That young woman, it's about Brown and McLaughlin. Mm. And it's a story of hope, Louise. Oh, can you imagine just a different world if she had passed second by seconds earlier or oh my. minutes later, you know? Yeah, it, it, it just would be an entirely different story. So it, it shivers up you, even thinking of it. It's podcast, the entire piece on lmfm.ie if you'd like to listen back to it and on our socials uh, as well. And, you know, Friday night when the name came out, it was just, ah, it was a magical, magical moment. It really is. And I'm very grateful, Louise. That was our 14th and 15th nominations for the national or shortlistings for the National Radio Awards. And it's just such a great feeling. And I I always think about the show, you know what I mean? And Deirdre Hurley, Mm -hmm. Brian Curran, Kira Courtney, Sinead Brassel, and now yourself and myself, who've all worked together, collaborated to make Late Lunch what it is here on LMFM Radio. And I want to say a big thank you to Michael Carlin, who is of such assistance every year with the awards. He does, you know, we get them ready. Michael has the job of, of, of getting them in and looking after all mm-hmm. that side of things. And he was on the ball again on Friday. Michael, we're very grateful to your head of news. I want to thank Michael Crawley as well for giving me the chance here. He gave me a chance, took a chance on me all those years ago to Eamon Doyle, our programme controller, who is our mentor. And, you know... Let's you loose every time. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't by any means. And, and, you know, this business is about differences of opinion with you and me. Uh, And it has to be like that. And with him and others as well. But you know what? At the end of the day, it has to be. And we disagree and we agree and we fall out and we're friends. And that's the way this works. And it has to work. It has to work. But I appreciate everything Eamon does. I look at him as my mentor and I listen to everything he has to say as well. Don't always agree with him, but I certainly do listen to him and I value him uh, greatly. And I want to say a big thank you as well to our families for their support. Because that's so important to, to mention as well. And to everybody, Louise, did you ever feel anything like the love? The love on no, Friday was, night and Saturday. I didn't know I knew so many people. <laughs> Neither did I. <laughs> on social media, on the phone, on messages. It was just lovely. And you don't know, you know this, it means an awful lot. It means an awful lot to us, to both of us. It yeah. really does. Uh, the love that has come back from you to us. We do. Because, do. I mean, you know, you're there every day and whatever. We do it for listeners you you kind of know they wouldn't like that we always think of the listeners don't we and <laughs> what to. they you would like try, or... you have to try and put yourself in the shoes you do mm. indeed but you know i have to say this again i absolutely love what i do i love what i do here every day i have a love for it that's unprecedented really and we have to make you take your holidays <laughs> sometimes <laughs> Don't worry, I'll take them. Anyway, (laughs) thank you all sincerely. We're truly delighted and heading to news and weather at two o'clock. Joanna Blydman coming after two. It just has to be this one for late lunch today. Would you believe me 
Thank you for all your lovely messages to the show regarding our award. I'll come back to them later on. I do appreciate all the kindness and love that's coming our way again today from you, our listeners. Now, need I remind you that meat, dairy and eggs have all been recipients of bad press for years now. They're not good for us, we're told. And yet, look around you. In general, we're heavier than ever and our metabolic health simply catastrophic and listen to this in excess of 50% of all foods we eat are now processed Joanna Blydman I've spoken to her before she's a world renowned investigative food journalist and writer and she's been writing recently I've been reading her in The Observer and other places as well uh, about foods once considered nasty that are in fact good for us after all hello again Joanna Hello there, Jerry. How are uh, you? I'm really good. Well, look, at you can only imagine how people listening to us today are absolutely confused. Let's go through some of the, the key ones here. Dairy fat's good for us. Come on, Joanna. Yeah, well, there's just been a massive study in Sweden um, and it looked at over 4,000 people over 16 years and it came to the conclusion that the people who had the highest or the higher consumption of dairy fat had um, were basically healthier. They had lower risk of, of heart disease. So basically that turns on its head everything you've been told. You're always told, oh, drink skim milk, keep away from cream butters, bad for you, and all that. We all, we've all heard that over and over again, and it's wrong. I mean, this is a massive study. Um, and um, so, you know, it's that sort of... Uh, it, it may, it's the sort of thing that will come as common sense to people who always doubted this, this sort of idea that the foods we've been eating for millennia has suddenly become bad for us, you know. And um, this is happening more and more with robust science disproving the sort of um, uh, mistaken dietary gospels that have kind of become sort of current in maybe since the, the 60s or 70s onwards. We've had 50 years of public misinformation on food. And as I said in the introduction, when you look round you at obesity, at uh, the illnesses that have gone wild and, and science is trying to, to treat, there is certainly something up. And as you say, this is based on empirical evidence, studies over years in different countries. Hey, I'm alarmed at this one. You know you and I and Nikki Kyle and others were big veggie people and grow your own organically. Five a day, no way. Well, the thing about five a day is it's, it's probably the single, maybe after it avoids saturated fat, it's probably the single biggest public health message, and everyone's heard it. Um, and the, the trouble with it is, is that um, 
very few people in Ireland or, you know, in the UK will manage to eat five a day. I know that Nikki will because she's exceptional and she grows her own beautiful yes. produce. But most people won't. And so what's happening is that um, people are probably if they are getting anywhere near that, are making it up on fruit, uh, eating more fruit than than our grandmothers and (coughs) grandparents ever ate. And fruit, of course, is sugar, and it's um, digested and metabolized by the body as sugar. So we have seen that people might are increasing sugar, and of course this whole five-a-day proposition started out as an advertising uh, slogan for Californian uh, vegetable growers in the in the in the nineties, and they they came up with this jingle five a day to sell their produce, and the public health authorities then jumped on the bandwagon. But again, there was just a massive sort of really quite robust trial, um, sort of meta analysis of research. So that's looking a review of all the research in the field. And it just came to the conclusion that there really was no good evidence for this proposition that um, an increased increased uh, fruit and vegetables was doing uh, was doing an awful lot for your health. Um, so although fruit and vegetables, and particularly vegetables, are really good, I mean they do bring mm. important nutrients to the plate, micronutrients. So that's things like uh, carotenes and phenols and all the vitamins and minerals, compounds like that that absolutely do contribute to health. Um, they don't compare to uh, animal foods in kind of total nutritional density terms. So if you were looking at trying to get a good serving of everything you need to kind of keep your body healthy, in nutritional density terms, animal foods deliver that better than uh, plant-based foods, including fruit and vegetables. Now, I'm not for a moment, I want to be clear, saying don't eat fruit and vegetables. (laughs) Although, if you are very overweight, I certainly would say maybe you should be concentrating on the vegetables, not the fruit. But it's just realising that that these benefits have been trumped up out of all proportion. And I think what happens when you say to people, what's really people have been hearing is, you know, animal foods, dairy, meat, fish, all that sort of thing is not good for you now, not really. Um, you, and, and we've been told to load our plates up with starchy foods, to base our, our meals on starchy foods. That's sort of government advice. Mm. And when you tell, when, when people can't eat livestock foods or are told not to, what they tend to do is bulk up their plates with loads and loads of useless carbohydrates, which are really have... Uh, which are pretty much digested by your body in the same way as sugar is. It's just seconds later to have the same impact on your blood sugar level. So I think that, I mean, in a way what we're saying is, look, just go back to what common sense nutrition and diet advice used to be, which is, you know, have some meat, have some fish, eat some eggs, eat some dairy and eat vegetables and, and um, you know, potatoes and, you know, have some of that as well. But this idea that um, when you take the livestock foods or you discourage people from eating those, then you create a gap which is inevitably um, sort of um, occupied 
by uh, by foods which really are going to be very fattening, and these are going to be rapidly absorbed mm. carbohydrate foods. Mm. I hear them cheering in the aisles, by the way, with your analysis this afternoon. I know you mentioned oh. salt in moderation, but here, I love this. Ditch the hot dogs, yes, the processed, but a good steak won't kill you. No, absolutely not. Well, I mean, this is just one of these things that, again, you keep on hearing have low salt, salt's bad for you, don't eat salt, so on. Well, there are actually a group of scientists in Canada, and they are, they, they, they have done not just one, but repeated studies looking at populations all around the world to see, you know, what, what the conclusions are on sodium or, flat, or salt, if you want to call it by its kitchen sink name. And, um, you know, what they find is that um, most countries in the world are eating a moderate amount of salt, and they're eating um, salt at a level that is absolutely fine, and that includes the UK and Ireland. And what they're saying is that if you reduce salt, then there can be some very serious health consequences for people. So in other words, salt reduction gospel might be making health worse, not better. What we need to kind of go for is obviously don't binge on very, very salty, overprocessed foods. But there's absolutely no evidence to suggest that the, you know, a crock of salt on your beside your stove, which you add a little bit to potatoes or cabbage or whatever it is you're eating, um, is going to do you any harm. Um, in, in fact, you you need it. Um, so again, that's another sort of dietary myth that's being blown apart and it, it just keeps happening over and over and over again the evidence just keeps stacking up now the poor old egg ah oh, the chicken and the egg scenario yeah. no more than two a week they've told us for years if you do your cholesterol it'll shoot through the roof what has joanna Blydman to say on that one well i mean fortunately even the, the the relatively shameless diet gurus who dominate in government have really had to climb down on this. I mean, I can remember, I'm sure you can remember, Jerry, when you were told that, oh, eggs, be careful of eggs. And it was actually in the official guidelines, don't eat more than two eggs a week, was, that was the, the guidance. And that was based on, like, so much dietary advice, not on sort of sound science, but on kind of assumptions that don't just don't really connect. So it was the assumption was at that time all cholesterol in in any edible form was bad for you, bad for your heart, and any foods that contain cholesterol were therefore bad for you. An egg contains cholesterol, so that was why eggs were demonised. And then, of course, we find out first of all that the amount of um, uh, cholesterol that you eat in food has no, basically only a very tangential bearing on the lipids or the cholesterol uh, profile of your blood and that some cholesterol you actually need and that without all cholesterol we couldn't, we just wouldn't function without cholesterol, you know, we need it for our brains, for metabolic processes, to manufacture hormones and things. So now they've kind of quietly backtracked on that and if you look in the government advice it will say something like <clears throat> you know there's no need to limit eggs but it doesn't say yeah you know look we've been misinforming you for for decades and yes go out and enjoy eggs and and, and it should really go further and say that to be honest an egg is as close as you can come to sort of perfection 
nutrition perfection in one food. It is a fantastically nutrient-dense food. The only sort of thing it lacks is vitamin C. Other than that, it's just got everything in there. So we should be saying to people, like, eat loads of eggs. Eggs are cheap. They're available. Um, all this sort of thing. But again, there's this sort of, well, we might let you eat eggs now. We're not too worried about it at the moment. Because it's it's quite embarrassing, I think, for the dietary sort of establishment that they have got it so wrong so they so you know we all find it hard to say oh, actually that wasn't right i'm sorry um so we're never going to get that out of them but the, the sort of take-home message for anyone who's concerned about their health is that you know eggs are brilliant eggs are brilliant food Joanna, before we finish and sign off, tell me this. There is empirical evidence to back up what you say, and you're writing about it extensively. Yet in the UK and Ireland, the mantra continues in the vein that you're railing against with your research and all this research. Will, are the governments, may I say, for turning? Well, I think it's, it's, in a word, no. I think they'll keep going, but they'll fudge it. You know, they'll they, they'll just fudge it so that the, the language becomes slightly sort of more blurry around the edges. But it, I think there's just so many professional reputations sort of invested in this now. Um, and it's quite embarrassing if you're a professor of, you know, public health to have to admit, yeah, you've actually, you know, you've got it wrong. So I, I, I don't, ex- and also remember, Jerry, that the committees that make important decisions about diet and so on and our and dietary recommendations um, are often represented by uh, companies of a vested interest in making ultra-processed food and, and who are manufacturers of ultra-processed food. Plus, you've got all the professors and the doctors who's, who sort of labs and, you know, research projects just happen to be funded by a biscuit manufacturer and so on. So it's a combination of sort of sleaze, professional pride, all sorts of things in play there. But I mean, what I do think is I think people are, are voting with their feet now. So it's really interesting that, you know, sales of meat have really, uh, I don't know if this is the case in Ireland, but certainly true in the UK, are really going up. Mm. Um, sales of dairy have really done well and been strong and they haven't been dented in any way by the advent of, you know, so-called alternative plants. Uh, imitation milks. They haven't, um, you know, we're still buying them. And I, I've met a lot of younger people who, who are quite clear. They say, oh, yeah, you know, I'm absolutely going to, you know, drink full-fat milk. I'm, I'm not going to have that skin stuff. I think it's more the older generations who've heard this for so long yes. have just sort of taken the risk, taken what they've been told, at, you know, on face value. Yeah. And have kind of kind of internalised it, so you know they'd love to eat the butter on their potatoes, but they're still buying this blinking, <laughs> inedible, horrible. Well, you know, may I <laughs> say, after today, you've given us lots of food for thought. I recommend you follow this woman; she's simply brilliant, Joanna Blythman. You can read her. I picked up the piece in the Observer last week, but uh, she's on socials as well. Follow her and see what she has to say. Keep on doing what you're doing. You're fantastic. All right, Jerry, best of luck. Take care. Bye-bye, Bye. Joanna. Bye-bye, Joanna Blydman there. My God, doesn't it turn the talk on its head? It certainly does. I think it's true. Everything in moderation. 
And if you do that and have balance, well, you won't go far wrong. Late Lunch LMFM Radio, if you have something to say, if you have an opinion, if you want to join in the conversation, 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me to the show, 1850-715-958, if you'd like to call in. Back in a moment. Big winners on the LMFM Radio Bingo. Uh, we have Elizabeth Callaghan from Town RD. Bernadette Duffy, Cartown Kells, they both won 400. Peter Ward doubled that. He's from Jermaine. He scooped 800 euro and the jackpot 6,600 euro. Don't forget you can buy a book for the draw online lmfm.ie or a range of outlets across the northeast. and today I have two sets of bingo books to give away. You'll play for the month with these. There's four books in each so it gets you four weeks playing on the radio bingo and you could be a winner and get the books for nothing as well. It's a bingo question. Here it is today. I'm giving you a nickname of a bingo number and you have to tell me what the number is to win the book. So we'll have two winners on late lunch today. The nickname Jump and Jive. What number in bingo parlance does that refer to? Jump and Jive. What number does that refer to in bingo terms? Answers to 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. And we pick two winners before the end of the show for the bingo check. Congratulations, Jerry and Louise. Look at them coming in there from all over the place. Katrina and Bala McKenny, thank you. Christine Arkins, hello again. Melissa Indrada, Deirdre, and so on and so on they go. Thanks for your kindness and good wishes. We do appreciate it. Hey, Louise, you were listening carefully there to Joanna Blyman. I'm so happy. She's just a wonderful, wonderful woman. And you love your eggs, don't you? And Mm. I've been so many times admonished. No, 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 no. Four eggs a day. You eat four eggs a day? No. (laughs) Your cholesterol must be through the roof. So now I can... Oh, she's our very own LMFM chicken, our Louise. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Four a day. Louise, four a day. Yeah. On average. I love eggs. Do you? Mm. Yeah. Boiled, Many fried. Well, not really fried. Scrambled, poached. Poached yes. eggs are my favourite. Well, you heard, Joanna, the ideal food, she would say. Mm. She would call an egg. Yes, eggs. I love Far-fitting. them. I love them soft fried, mm. you know, and chips, soft fried eggs and oh, homemade yeah. chips. I love that. I loved uh, a poached egg as well, you know, lo- with avocado and toast and things like that. Boiled. Hard boiled for salad, soft boiled, and dip the soldiers in, Louise. Oh, the soldiers. Do you do the soldiers? Mm, for the kids. Oh, magnificent. And omelette, of course. They're so Omelets versatile. Are lovely, yeah. yeah, they really are so I, versatile. My kids prefer the poached because I can do poached eggs. I just can never get a soft boiled egg, right? <laughs> well, I'm going to give you this is how you get a soft boiled okay. egg. Folks, is everybody listening? It's the Kelly Kitchen this afternoon. So, what you do is. You'd put the eggs carefully into boiling water that it's bubbling nicely, right? And let it bubble, not mad that that'll crack, bubble for one minute, okay? Mm-hmm. Turn your cooker off after oh. one minute. If you want the egg soft, leave it for four to five minutes in the hot water, in the water that it resides in. Take them out beautifully soft five to six minutes medium soft and six minutes plus you know they're a little bit on the, on the tough side then you so test that, that this evening. please go home and do that into bubbling water one minute turn off the heat four to five minutes perfectly soft for your soldiers little dip of salt on the top oh man woman and Pepper. child you couldn't beat that could you no you really couldn't eggs are and, and you know she mentioned the salt there I know how to make things salty without salt Anchovies. You know what anchovies are, don't you, Louise? <laughs> Louise, do you do know what anchovies are, yeah. What yeah. do you think they were? Remind me again. A vegetable. <laughs> <laughs> they should be a vegetable. They sound like they should be a vegetable. The little salty fish. I told you this before, anchovies, but they're very salty. They're lovely to add to different pastas and things like that, and they give it a real but kick. But you wouldn't eat them out of the tin. 
I nearly would. I nearly would, <laughs> Louise. I nearly would. But they'd get you, you know what I mean? Lovely way with pasta. Just uh, olive oil, a little bit of garlic or whatever in the pan. Put the anchovies in, melt them down and just toss your cooked pasta in. And oh my God, it's simply magic. It simply is. Anyway, folks, coming up after the next break on Late Lunch, it's our tribute to the wonderful Eileen Rush. Stay with us on the show. In April 2017, Eileen Rush went for a smear test that was read as abnormal. However, failings in her subsequent care saw Eileen diagnosed with cervical cancer in late 2018. So began a journey for Eileen, which she shared with us on late lunch until her passing last week. Today is a tribute to one of the most inspirational, caring, humble and loving women I've ever come across. I want to remember her as someone who has made all of us consider our frailty and how precious this life really is. Let's turn the clock back to January 2019 and our first conversation when Eileen joined us from St Luke's Hospital in Dublin, where she had begun her radio and chemotherapy treatment. During the conversation it became apparent that Eileen's greatest concern wasn't for herself but others. It's like this guilt thing. I think... You know, when you get older, you like to be able to, I don't know, thank your parents for rearing you and take away the worry rather than giving them more worry. So to kind of, and they came with me that day up to the uh, Christmas Eve. So they're fully in on the journey as such. But it is devastating news. And I suppose it's the one thing you don't want as a parent to be told that your child's unwell. Mm. And there's very little they can do about it, you know. Well, better be there, I mean. But, yes. yeah, obviously it's not news I like to I like to get, but I nearly felt worse than having to get it, actually. My, oh my. And uh, talking about your own son, how is he? He he knows the situation, yes, and he understands? Yeah, he's he's far too intelligent uh, <laughs> um, to, to give him a bit of information. Um, there's a little boy in his class whose father, unfortunately, has cancer at the moment. So about six months ago, I'd actually sat down and spoke to him about what cancer was. Um, so then when I told him I had it, obviously he's devastated, uh, but I've given him enough information and he's clued in and he's with the, the fight with me, you know, that kind of way. So, mm. like, I mean, it's, it's, it's a hard fight, but the, the, the medicine is there and I'm just hoping the outcome will be positive for us all. And yes, Eileen had to go through the mill if she were to achieve that positive outcome. So it's my whole digestive system and everything is being treated, the good bits and the bad bits. So... I mean, uh, nausea is definitely um, a massive thing for me. And then uh, extreme diarrhea to extreme constipation mm. um, with very with little contributory factors. They give you one medicine to help with something that tends to have a different side effect, you know. So yes. it's, um, it's like a balancing exercise to get yourself to the best place. But then other days I'm absolutely totally fine. <laughs> so yeah. it's, uh, it's unpredictable to say the least. And to compound matters, her son Seamus's dad, John, had passed away unexpectedly in 2017. Yeah, he was 32. He died um, as a result of su- su- death, sudden um, unexplained death through epilepsy in his sleep. Um, yes, I mean, that's... I never... I suppose that's probably what's made it more difficult for me in relation to Seamus is the fact that he's 12 and he's probably been more true more than me. <laughs> but in Eileen Rush's world... There's always a silver lining. Yeah, I've actually had a brilliant year this year. I'm a bridesmaid for my sister, and then my best friend Elaine's getting married in Italy. I'm bridesmaid for her and James's confirmation all in May. Uh-huh. So it's it's great that the treatment started now, and hopefully I'll be back to a bit of normality by then to have some champagne. On to June 2019, and following her extended treatment, Eileen receives great news. 
I am currently cancer free. I'm uh, very cautious about the result, but absolutely delighted, I suppose. It's hard not to be aware of it when there's so many other stories out ahead of me where people have got the all clear and unfortunately it's come back. So um, I suppose my doctors just told me to be uh, mindful of myself, watch myself, be um, healthy but she also said don't do any extremes um, and then I suppose I monitored every three months mm. for I think it's 18 months and then it will go every six months for a while and then it will go yearly please God anyway so I'm still quite tired and I'm, menopause is a, like something I hadn't encountered before obviously and it's <laughs> I feel like I could live in the freezer one moment and then in the oven the next it's really not good I suppose I just want to enjoy um, my son um, I'm hoping my brother lives in Canada so I'm hoping all going well to maybe try and visit him and I suppose it was a horrendous thing to get cancer but it has made me appreciate every minute I'm here to be around my friends and family and like just I so I keep saying just don't sweat the small stuff Thankfully through 2019 and into the autumn of 2020 Eileen was cancer free However in October she wasn't feeling well and had to face the devastating news that our cancer was back with a bang They're hoping it's not weeks and they're going to do everything they can to, like, you know, people can live years with terminal cancer or not. And there's no real way at this stage to gauge where I am in that because they just don't know how the cancer or the body will react, you know. So I'm hoping that it does react well and that it will give me as much time as I can get. Please, God, this is the outcome for you. And I pray and I'm sure everybody listening today and I know all the wonderful friends you have, your close family, everybody is. If you ever had people rooting for you, you understand this, Eileen. We're all yeah. right there with you. There's, yeah, there's candles up and down the country lit for me, so hopefully. Yeah. Please. Sorry. Oh, please. <laughs> so I just get a little oh, upset. Doing really well. <laughs> Cry. Do what you want. Good God, woman, like... That's what I say to my, my family, like, just let it out. There's no prizes for not crying, so... <laughs> None at all. I don't know how you even... How do you get up in the mornings and get dressed and get well, going? the simple answer is I have a 13-year-old, so as long as I'm here, I want him to remember me this way, do you know? Yes, Seamus keeps Eileen going, but the enormity of the latest diagnosis is taking its toll on everyone, including this radio presenter. Yeah, I told him the day I found out. He's just too old, you know, he's not a child. Um, He's a child, but he's not a little kid. Um, He's in secondary school. Um, I will say St. Oliver's have been amazing, so I kept him off last week, and at the minute he has some sniffles, so I didn't send him in. Not anything COVID, but you have to be careful, so... Yeah, he's fully aware. I know um, he was crying today and he doesn't want to cry in front of me, which, you know, that's harder. I'd rather he cried than he cried by himself. But he's good. And um, I have four wonderful siblings and my parents and 20-odd first cousins and aunts and uncles. And I'm surrounded by people that I know that will mind him. So, yeah, please, God, I'll be here for as long as I can be, you know. And you're actually... You're actually thinking in those terms, are you? Well, my family would tell you I'm, I'm an awful practical person. Like I, I went to the hospital two months ago and I was in the solicitor the following week making sure they will and everything and I just wouldn't want to see him not provided for as much as I can, you know. Um, 
I mean, I'm blessed. I, I ha- got a council house when I had shame, but I don't own my own home. So there's certain things that aren't, well, I'd like them to be, but he, I know he'll never, ever want for anything, you know, with my family and my siblings. My my poor sister's um, 21 weeks pregnant and she's bringing me up to the hospital. And, you know, life is hard, but then I'm so blessed to be surrounded by everybody, you know. <laughs> Do you know something? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Do you know something? Uh, I, Sorry, give, just... I, I give out about things and we fret and worry about things in life. And Do you know something? It's all for nothing. I totally agree. So at the minute I'm trying to enjoy myself where in between things and just really try and educate people um, I know I have seen people change their minds and get their children vaccinated and you know this particular cancer I have can be got rid of in 10 years if everyone does what they need to do so I just hope for the future and I hope that Seamus will look back and be proud of me when he's older you know he'll be so proud of you and everybody is so proud of you, Eileen Rush. And I want to say this to you today, even though the dark clouds surround us at this moment in time. But there, there is something. I, I, I know you love your walks and your walks with your dogs, Ruby and Susie. And you, you yeah. can't do that at the moment. And I know your lovely dad has stepped in to help out there. And your newfound love that you've found in recent times, gardening, a great yeah. love of mine as well. And... You have those bulbs, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you know what you'll do? Please do this for me. Plant yeah. those bulbs. Yeah. Because those bulbs will push up through the soil and they'll bloom and they'll flower next year and they'll flower every year. Exactly, yeah. And hopefully I'll be here for a few springs. Yes, yes. You gotta, we've got to cling to every single bit of hope. Yeah. <laughs> and you got it. You got it, young woman, because I have such admiration for you. Thank you, Jerry. Honestly. I didn't mean to make you cry. <laughs> Incredible emotion. Despite her own situation and COVID putting a stop to Dip in the Nip 2020, Eileen Rush, undeterred, took to the Irish Sea to raise funds for the Northeast Cancer Research Trust. Yeah, now I must give credit where credit's due. It's actually my sister's idea but uh, yeah Siobhan and a couple of us went and did it yesterday down in um, Gormanstown Beach. It was funny I think everybody in East Mead obviously was bringing their horses to the beach yesterday there must have been about 20 of these horses on that small bit of beach there in um, Gormanstown and um, it was freezing cold but actually it was very sunny and it was a really nice mm. day mm. you know mm. so uh, no we just we kept our distance and we did everything. I mean, there was a little blip that we parked up on the road um, and we went down. We weren't down there half an hour, you know, in and out because, as I said, it's a bit fresh. But unfortunately, then someone smashed in my car window and stole um, a handbag and a laptop. So it kind of did take the shine off it a little bit. But I, I don't, I'm refusing to let them take the day. So I'm just trying to hone in on the positivity we had and the good fun we had, and sure, these things can always be replaced. Sums up the woman. Nothing phases her but bad scramps to the blackguards. 
It's now Christmas last year and Eileen's doing as well as can be expected. But again, she's focusing on the plight of others. I mean, I'm doing very well. I'd be, I, I'm very unwell the few days after chemo. Um, and then I suppose this week more than ever, I'm just digging deep and trying to stay positive with the Christmas series kind of builds you up a bit, you know. But I love Christmas anyway. You know, as bad as my situation is and I can feel sorry for myself, there's other people burying family members already. And, you know, there's some frontline workers who've never had a Christmas at home. So I try and kind of be I'm blessed in many ways. You know what I mean? I'm surrounded by such wonderful people. Isn't she just amazing seeing the glass half full? Yet she's honest and accepting to a fault and again so grateful. You know, as as a parent, it's um, it's really nice for me to be able to show Seamus the good of people. Do you know, like, um, you know, because there's so many bad things happen all the time and sometimes the good can get a little bit lost, but people are so kind. Listen, I know I am dying and if it's not great, but until that day, I'm, I'm determined to live the most I can between now and then, you know. I'd just like to thank everyone who has donated to the GoFundMe and helped me and yourself and Louise and everyone there who continues to, you know, bring a bit of brightness to our days when we all think we're kind of going a little crazy. <laughs> but um, And I hope everybody um, has a lovely Christmas and a new year. In March of this year, Eileen joined us from the steps of the four courts. The first time she ever spoke to me about seeking the compensation she so deserved. Yet again, she was honest to a fault and pleased with the acknowledgement of wrongdoing. Um, it's a very bitter speech, you know. Um, it's the best outcome of a terrible situation, <laughs> um, is how I would phrase it. Um, and I, I, I didn't think I'd get an apology, so I'm delighted to say I got a full apology. So that that's meant the world to me and my family, actually. I had to put it to her again. Was she any way angry or bitter to those who erred in her case? Um, I don't allow myself to do it because there's no change in it. So, like the like, I don't, I don't believe anyone woke up that day and was did it to deliberately harm me. So terrible what's happened and absolutely it shouldn't happen but no I try and not think about it too deeply because I want to concentrate on living while I'm living and not be like I have I have counselling I get counselling through the Gary Kelly uh, Cancer Centre there and that's a, like a life-saving for me but it allows me prioritise myself um, to, to me so like I'm spending my time on myself and my family and not looking at the negatives or what could have been, do you know? Because mm. it isn't, it can't be now. <laughs> and you've a, you've a man to look after there as well, Seamus. Yes, I have. He's been just amazing. So I'm very, very proud of him. He's 14 going on 25 and he, <laughs> he couldn't do enough for me. So I'm, I'm very proud of him. <laughs> You're the most honest, decent, bravest woman ah. I think I've ever come across in my life. Oh, well, thanks very much. You You're are. not too bad yourself. <laughs> listen, listen, go away, go away, go away. It's, it, it's, it's throw the compliments at each other day. But seriously, back to you. The light, the light is on you. It really is. Oh, you're fantastic. You so and keep on going as you're going. Please do. And uh, so I'm, de- I'm really pleased that you have had your day today and that uh, this uh, particular chapter in the book has closed for you. <laughs> thanks so much. Take care. Bye now. 
What a remarkable woman. And yes, she would need all of her attributes during the coming weeks and months before we spoke for the final time recently in mid-August. And yet again, her fortitude endured despite the cancer spreading and time short. I'm doing remarkably well. Today was day one of... um I've started a course of brain radiotherapy so the the cancer spread to the brain and today was number one of 10 treatments. So uh, I'm feeling well. My dad dropped me up. I'm very lucky to have my support system in place I have. uh, Yeah, the way I look at it is about a month ago I got the bad news that the cancer had um, spread and had come back but at the time we weren't sure if there was any options but I've got... um, So I get this course and then they're going to hopefully all going well give me the Pembro drug. So I feel kind of blessed that those options are available to me, you know, because they could not be. (laughs) So I'm feeling very lucky. (laughs) So this gives you more time? That's it. That's what I've told you from the start is I have Seamus who's just finished um, second year in St. Oliver's and that's my goal is just to get as much time as I can with him and my family. Um, and hopefully in some reasonable level of health, I suppose, which I am. You know, I, I am mm. coping um, very well, I suppose, with the side effects, mainly being tiredness. Um, but I'm, I'm so, so, so lucky with the people around me, my family and my friends. So I feel um, I feel very fortunate. And people laugh at that, like, you know, because you could feel sorry for yourself and go into a hole. But I try and, um, you know, just take every day as it comes. And uh, I've been just totally, I suppose, enveloped by support in my community in Strada. And you wouldn't believe the miraculous medals I get in the post. And just the pure and utter love I get off people makes every day just better than the previous one. It's difficult to believe, isn't it? Eileen's total absence of recrimination and support for screening remaining solid despite everything that happened to her. So what's happened to me has happened. I... I refuse to leave. If I'm here for five weeks, months or years, I'm not living it through anger at what should have, could have, would have been. I I would tell Seamus, you know, people make mistakes. You have to forgive them for them and we have to learn from them. And for me personally, um, absolutely, I couldn't be far, like more supportive of the screening programme. It saves lives. All the screening programmes, Jerry. there's so many of them out there. The, the bowel screening programme, the mammogram, all of them, and they exist to help us. And as I said, nothing is perfect in this world, but all you can do is your best if you're asked to come forward to take part in the programme. And unfortunately, it is a bit of a hope, which again, isn't good enough. It should be black and white. Mistakes should never be made, but they are made. And all we can do is go forward with them. For me personally, I learn from them. I try and couldn't be more aware of my own health. And I give my opinion where it's valid. Um, and I just try my best to live with that and go forward, you know. Do you never have a moment where you just say, why me? And you think, why did it happen to me? And, and get angry within yourself. I don't know if it's anger. If I'm totally honest, for me, it affects... I hate my family having to go through it more so than me. You know, I hate that. I hate that I have to explain to a 14-year-old anything to do with it, you know. that I don't know if it's anger that would come across me or maybe a bit of anger, but I... Again, it's just about living with what you have, Jerry, and making the most of it. Like at the worst of times, you have to try and find the best of times, you know? Well, that's how I get through it. <laughs> at the worst of times, you have to find the best of times. 
ponder Eileen's words of wisdom and live them. And yes, Eileen smiling and laughing to the end. It's been said many times before, but Eileen Rush will truly never see her likes again. God rest your soul and thank you for giving us so much during your all too short life. So upon a star and wake up where the clouds are far behind me where troubles melt like lemon drops away above the chimney top Jump and Jive is the bingo nickname for number 35. Yes, Jump and Jive 35. Thank you to everybody who got in touch with us. Belinda Clark and Johnny Masterson, well done to both of you. You're playing bingo compliments of us here in LMFM Radio for the next month. And I hope you both win big. I have another couple of books. I'll give them away on the show tomorrow afternoon. Oh, we're inundated with your comments on a number of fronts this afternoon. Thanks again for all the lovely sentiments and wishes about the uh, Radio Award which we won on Friday night at the National Radio Awards. Hello to Maddie and Navin, Patricia and Blanchestown, Breege, Angela, Santa's little helpers even been in touch and more of you besides. There are loads of names here. I'd be just reading names for the afternoon but thank you. You know who you are and thanks for the good wishes. Well, Eileen Rush, I ain't surprised she's made such an impact. Jerry, I don't know how you did those interviews. It's so sad. And Eileen was such a great warrior. Your compassion was unbelievable. Uh, thanks, Marina. Thanks for your congratulations as well. Septa Lynch, hello, Septa, this afternoon. Oh, Jerry, you're such a lovely man. God, I'm embarrassed now reading this. Eileen was so special, thinking about everybody but herself. I knew her for about six years and spoke to her at the dip in 2019. It's hard to believe at such a young age she's gone to her resting place. God comfort her son, Seamus, and her extended family in the days and months ahead. Eileen loved a good laugh. She did. We were just saying that. She loved a good laugh. Right through her sickness, may her gentle soul 
rest in peace says Scepter Lynch this afternoon there wasn't a dry eye in the house here I can tell you between half two and three o'clock um, Jerry, it's heartbreaking listening to the late Eileen Rush may she rest in peace amazing lady says Deirdre also coming to us today rest in peace beautiful lady Mary oh my god Jerry fly high Eileen that's from Christine I'll never ever forget you Afternoon, Jerry and Louise. What a fantastic tribute to Eileen. May God shine and mind you both. That's from Melissa Indrahada. And so on and so on they go there. Thank you indeed for your lovely words. We do appreciate it. And we will never forget Eileen Rush. Never, ever. And again, we offer our sympathies from everybody here on LMFM Radio to her son Seamus and all her family. She left her mark and it will remain with so many people for lifetimes and beyond. Now, it is uh, Irish Music Month here on LMFM Radio. Yes, it is indeed. Uh, And Irish music is at the source, you know yourself, of so many gatherings in life. But it's taken a hammering in the last 18 months. We want to support Irish artists and the bands we love. So we're taking part in Irish Music Month, supported by the BAI Sound and Vision Fund, XL Retail and Hot Press Magazine. For more info on what we're doing this October, check out the LMFM website and listen to us on The Breakfast on 11 to 1 with Sinead, the driving ourselves here in late lunch for more great Irish music on LMFM radio. And with that in mind, all this month, my artists of the week will be Irish and Irish to the core. And today and this week, I'm focusing on the wonderful Mary Black. Mary was born on the 23rd of May 1955 into a musical family in the heart of Dublin. Her dad was a fiddler from Rattlin Island off the coast of Ulster and her mother a renowned singer across the capital city. Her brothers, Shay, Michael and Martin, had their own group simply called the Black Brothers, who she performed with from an early age. And of course, her younger sister, Frances, was also a real talent, as we discover in due course. When she was 20, Mary joined General Humbert, a folk group, and she toured extensively with them here in Ireland and across Europe and recorded a couple of albums. In the early 80s, she then teamed up with Declan Sinnott, the wonderful Declan Sinnott, to record her first solo album, simply called Mary Black, which went gold here in Ireland and is today regarded as one of the finest Irish albums of that decade. And I'm staying in the 80s today for Mary's first song this week. And it's a cover of a Nancy Griffith classic, which was a big hit for Mary in 1987. I found your letter in my mailbox today. You were just checking. What a version it is. Yes, Mary Black, my artists of the week on Late Lunch this week and more about and from Mary tomorrow around about the same time. Just a couple of more of your thoughts and words to us, lovely words about Eileen Rush. Liam's been on to say that beautiful, tragic tribute should be played in schools, colleges and prisons. So sad, yet so uplifting. Rest in peace, Eileen. The world is a sadder place. 
but she left some legacy. She did indeed, Liam. Parik Rath's been on to us. Hello, Parik, this afternoon. Beautiful tribute to an amazing, positive lady who taught us all a lot in our short life with the way she dealt with her Ill- illness and situation. May she rest in eternal peace. Lovely, Parik. And another one there from Celine. And I can just picture this as I read the words. Hi, Jerry. So la- sad listening to your lovely tribute about Eileen. I'm just listening to you here in my kitchen with a cuppa and my four-month-old baby. It just makes us think how lucky we all are to enjoy every day. May beautiful Eileen rest in peace. Lovely, lovely word, Selena. And many more besides, I can tell you today. Final break of the afternoon and after the break, I'm called after him. Uh, my mother had a great faith and devotion to him. Yes, St. Gerard's Novena, uh, the greatest festival of faith in Ireland, is on in Dundalk. It's starting soon and we're chatting about it next. Forgot to mention the pandemonium last night with social media down. God, people, what did they do? What did you do without your social media? I enjoyed it. Didn't miss it for a minute. Yes, I'm on there now and again and things happen all right, but... God, I wouldn't miss it, to be honest with you. Anyway, pandemonium was sorted out uh, at last and people were back online. Now, the greatest, the largest festival of faith in Ireland happens in Dundalk every year. It's been going constantly for 90 years. Yes, I'm talking about the Novena to St. Gerard Magella. I've been there a number of occasions myself, produced a lovely documentary about it too. But again this year... It's not in person. It's going online. And uh, to tell us more is the boss man from St. Joseph's, Father Noel Kyo is on the line. Hello, Noel. Good afternoon, Jerry. Good afternoon to all your listeners. Thank you for joining me. Was there no chance of getting people along in person, Noel? Oh, um, <laughs> you have no idea how much we went back and forward and risk assessments and, and that. At the moment, the government regulations is that we're allowed 50% capacity. Uh, in in the the church, but there was if we opened it up, we just know that there was no way that we could manage. Uh, crowd fifty percent capacity is about two hundred and fifty people, mm. uh, three hundred people. I mean, we know that. I mean, there's over a thousand people come to each of those sessions normally, yeah. and people are hungry for it, and they would have travelled, and even getting the the personnel to try and and. Uh, manage all of that and you know the people management and traffic would have been just so so difficult at at the moment so our uh, covid risk assessment came up and said look not for not for this year it's just too understandable too risky. understandable too, too and you're right as i said i've been there i know what it's like you couldn't hold them back and especially there's a pent up desire uh, yes, to yes. be there as well so uh, airing on the side of caution but it's online you you can you won't miss out tell us what's the easiest way to join in Noel? Well, I'll tell you, it is online, but I hope we don't go the same road as Facebook and WhatsApp. Oh, no, 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 St. <laughs> Jared won't let it happen, I promise yeah. you. The, uh, so it is online as we had it last year. And as you know, we have a great facility here for broadcasting our, our services. So um, uh, the, the, it, will be, it will be broadcast live at seven o'clock in the morning, yeah. which is always a popular session for the, for the, the workers and travellers. Yes. So, and that session then will be recorded and will be rebroadcast uh, at various times uh, throughout the day. So, at 11, at 10 past 1 for the lunchtime people, 4.30 and 6. And then at 9 o'clock at night, there will be another live broadcast um, uh, with our, the, the, tr- the traditional candlelight session. Okay, and that can be accessed where? 
So that can be accessed on our own website, so yep. redemptoristundalk.ie, mm. or um, some people find it easier to remember, churchservices.tv forward slash Dundalk. Okay. So on either of those, but also it'll be going out on, on our Facebook page, it'll be broadcast uh, live on the Facebook page, so people will be able to go back in during the day to, uh, to look at that yes. at, their own, at their own leisure. So it's a different format, Jerry, mm. and it's not the same. And we all miss it, and we all lament the, another year of uh, of uh, um, not having people around us. But it's better to be safe uh, than than to yes. take risks at this stage. So yeah, and yeah, no, no, I, I, I'm 100% with you. And please, God, we can all look ahead to next year when it will be back in full flight now uh, it, it, the year of St. Joseph the theme for this year's novena but in it incorporates I was just looking it's multi-theme the role of fathers healthy masculinity the call to integrity justice looking at homelessness care of the vulnerable and challenges to family life there's a lot going on there there's a lot going on there and I suppose it's all done in the in the this year of St. Joseph and we have put the, our theme as a man for all seasons I suppose yep. St. Joseph gets looked over quite a bit in the Bible, whatever, more traditionally he was, there was a lot of devotion to him. But we, we do try to explore what we imagine some of the choices were that he had to make in in supporting Mary and the birth and and that. And you see that he actually stands as, as maybe an interesting character to look back on. And uh, as we tackle some of the very modern uh, concerns that that we have, and that around things like you know, the role of, of fathers and the importance of fatherhood um, in in families, the the masculinity, and we hear so much about toxic mas- masculinity, and we saw the whole rise of the Me Too movement, and uh, where women very rightly, whatever, are challenging this this very. You know, I suppose toxic is the word, whatever this this macho type of of culture. So I think that there's maybe a lot to be uh, <clears throat> to be reflected upon, and as we look at some of the choices that that he made, that he didn't walk away when when he could have, when uh, he accompanied, he was the supporter, he kept them safe, whatever. When they had to flee and, and as refugees, the uh, standing, you know, losing children as as often happens in in families. I think. When Dundalk Shopping Centre, the old one, was opened up at the beginning, I got lost there for about five hours. So, mm. the, uh, uh, these are the normal things that happen in in in, in people's lives. Yes, and so it could be. I suppose with everything that has been going on, I think it's a really excellent theme. And it is. I, we've got some great preachers that will, will help us uh, reflect on some of those. Mm. those St. Joseph, a man for all seasons and all those uh, different issues. Sum the man up when you really con- consider them. Just a couple of things before we finish. Time will beat us. Um, uh, the church is open each day just to say for private prayer to write petitions and pick up candles. That's happening anyway. Yes. That's happening anyway, and those prayers uh, and petitions can also be sent in on our various, you know, by email, by mm. social media. They'll all be included in the novena, and obviously that format will continue. We also do hope that online during the day we will 
be reading like we did last year. We get some of the, the, the Redemptress to do a continuous reading and praying for those in, intentions at different points during uh, during the day. And so. I, I know as well the Renovation Fund, uh, you've got wonderful j- donations and that's still open because the church tower, etc. has to be uh, restored. And you're launching this monster raffle to win a car, 50 quid, and a new car could be yours and more prizes besides, Noel. I'll pray to St. Jared during the Novena. Could be you if you're listening today. And Jerry, I'll pray for you for <laughs> giving that advertisement and that plug. You're a wonderful man. <laughs> Not at all. You're well deserving of the support because you're a wonderful community. And I know that the man who began it all, Father John Murray, uh, you know, in he the did. 30s, would be so proud of you and uh, that it's carried on year on year. Now, it starts when? Is it the 8th to the 16th? So, 8th to the 16th, Jerry. So Yes. Uh, first session seven in the morning. Just let me highlight um, uh, that the, we do have a special day, which is the Friday, the fifteenth of October, and that's going to be a special day for prayer for the sick. And I'm just very conscious that so many people that would have gone to the novena over the years, they're not able to. They're maybe in care or or, or at home, but they will be very much remembered during that that day. That's Friday the fifteenth. That's a day to remember, folks. Look, it's a bit different, but the intercessions continue. The saint is always there, and Father Noel Kyo and his guest preachers and team are there for you to do join in from the eighth to the sixteenth. Wish you well, Father Noel. God bless you, Jerry. Thank you very much. Take Bye-bye. care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Father Noel Kyo there. Great guy. St. Gerard Magellan Novena starting on the 8th. Tomorrow on Late Lunch, what a story. Anthony Deegan, drug addiction. He's now a recovery advocate. Luke Cassidy is with us. Written a brilliant book about Dundalk, Iron Annie. We're talking to him tomorrow. What about a clothesline that ensures your clothes never get wet, even out in the open? Oh, I'm looking forward to that. It'll help me with me hanging out the washing. And we have a breastfeeding feature too as well as breastfeeding week this week with Brenda Peeper Callan from Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital. More besides, all we need is you. Have a lovely evening. Take care of yourselves. See you tomorrow, 1.30. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Drada Dundalk and Cavan. Let Blackstone Motors find the perfect car for you. With over 300 cars to choose from, we have the biggest selection of pre-owned cars in Drada Dundalk and Cavan. Low APR and zero deposit packages available. See blackstonemotors.ie for more details. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.